Happy New Year and welcome to 2022. Uh, it's a new year. It's an exciting new year and we have an exciting new show for you here at Locked on Reds. I'm so happy that you've taken some time to join us as the new year begins. Uh, if you're a Cincinnati sports fan, you're already off to a great start. Uh, believe it or not, our, our friends across the street at Paul Brown Stadium, the Cincinnati Bengals, have won their division. They are the AFC North champions. And on today's Locked on Reds, we're going to talk about how your Cincinnati Reds, believe it or not, how they can be more like the Cincinnati Bengals. We're also going to take some time looking back on the Reds 2021 season as Jeff and I dig into some of the moments we think helped make that 2021 season a little bit more special than some of the Red seasons have been in the past decade. We're going to get into all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You have found the Locked on Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr, alongside Stephen Offenbaker. We are the co-hosts with the most most as we talk about the Cincinnati Reds. We are super fans, addicts. We turn those addictions into information for you. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the idea of the success of the Cincinnati Bengals and how the Reds can emulate it, how they can try to become a better team, basically, and use the Bengals as a blueprint. And for this conversation, uh, Steve, I think there's a lot to it. There's a lot going on with this. This is something that, to be honest with you, I never would have thought at least not in the last 10 years that I'd be talking about, I would have figured that the Reds would have been the team to win the, win the championship, get the success, you know, do the stuff first between them, the Bengals and God forbid FC Cincinnati does anything. Uh, well, what is going on? Like these two teams are going in opposite directions. Oh, they absolutely are on two different trajectories. And for me, um, you know, being, just a little bit older than you. Uh, the 1990s Bengals are seared into my head as as a as a time of of embarrassment in being a fan of this team, and I never could just quite bring myself to move on from that. And the current ownership group for the Reds in the Castellini family feels an awful lot like the 1990s Mike Brown run Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Mike Brown, you know, exuded an an, an arrogance at times. Uh, in the way that he ran that franchise. And, you know, I think he would have had you believe that just because he was genetically linked to Paul Brown, it automatically meant he knew how to uh, run a football team. And I think in a lot of ways, Bob Castellini is the same. I think, I think deep down, listen, I think deep down that Bob Castellini loves baseball. And I think he loves the idea of being the guy that brought a winner to Cincinnati. I think he loves the idea of being the person that restored the glory to the franchise. And you can go back to his introductory letter when he purchased this team and all of the grandiose things he said he was going to do. Now, of course, we both know he can't deliver on that uh, when you're spending pennies on the dollar to put a product on the field. But I think deep down, he loves this team and wants to win. And I think Mike Brown, deep down, loves the football. He loves Cincinnati. He loves the Bengals. And I think it's just a lot of the same. And we're going to, I think, get into some of the differences of where we are now, Jeff, because there has been a shift over at Paul Brown Stadium, and it's a generational thing, I think. And uh, as we get into it, I'll express to you my concerns on how the Reds aren't necessarily set up to emulate that. I think there's a problem there. Yeah, I, I, 
I would agree. I think it's interesting to note that uh, Mike Brown still is in charge. He's, he's just delegated everything to folks who know how to run a winning organization who just so happen to be in his own family, by the way. But that's something I wish we, and that's something we'll talk about because there are many questions that fall under this umbrella of how can the Reds emulate the Bengals and become a successful organization. But for me, the first question, because it was very obvious on Sunday, the reason the Bengals are here, they have their guy, they have their franchise, they have Joey Burrow. And when I look at this Reds roster and I think of the guys who are coming up, I think of the guys who are currently in the major leagues, the guys who have been producing for a year, talking about like Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India, the, the question's got to be, do they have that guy? And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love Jonathan India. I love Tyler Stevenson, but we are talking about a guy you can build a team around, not guys you can build a team with. And, and that's a little bit of a harder question when it comes to baseball, but I still think that it has plenty of merit when you look at this roster, because the biggest question is, is there one guy you can point to with that designation? The fun part is the Reds have more than one guy that you can point to with that in mind. I mean, let's let's look at what Joe Burrow is for the Bengals. Joe Burrow comes in with some swag. He comes in with a little cockiness. He comes in with some attitude and he comes in wanting to win. He does SpongeBob not, sneakers. And SpongeBob sneakers and don't forget slime time. He is, you know, Joe Burrow is as advertised. He's everything that the Bengals thought they were going to get from day 1 when he walked in the door. So how does that equate to the Reds? Well, I think that those qualities, uh, those qualities are Jonathan India. Those qualities are Tyler Stevenson. Those qualities are these young core players that are coming up with a little cockiness, with a little, little arrogance, and most importantly, with a desire to win and be successful. Now, football and, football and baseball, two different sports, two completely different avenues. And in baseball, you know, there's a lot less ability for one guy to control the total outcome of a game like the quarterback can in the National Football League. But those guys collectively in the Reds lineup and you know, on the field for the Cincinnati Reds, I think are your Joe Burrow. I think that you know what what Jonathan India brings to the to the leadoff spot in the top of the order, and the way he plays defense, the way he does things on the field, that is the same way that Joe Burrow is in the huddle and when he's out there getting ready to run a play. It's 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 that attitude. It's that it's that expectation for success. And I think that when you look at the Reds' young core, you get the same thing that you get when you talk about Joe Burrow. I agree with you, and I think that this is a conversation that is a bit precarious because of that whole reason that baseball is so different. The Reds had their guy. They had Joey Votto and for years now, but they just didn't build around him. For whatever reason, people like to blame him for having a big contract. That's not his fault. He wasn't the guy that offered himself the contract, but at the end of the day, they just didn't build around him. So with these two guys under rookie contracts and being as good as they are, it is a very good argument to say that they've got their guys. Plus, you can look at a couple of dudes coming up, which it is a little bit premature, I will admit, to assess any sort of future of the team value to guys like Hunter Green and Nick Lodello. But they've got that ceiling. They've got that ability. They've got that level that they can get to. They've got the expectation that you can get to when it comes to making 
the Reds the kind of franchise that you can see having success in the future. And don't get me wrong, they had a successful season. We'll talk about, or at least from a wins and losses standpoint, not from a playoff standpoint and not from an expectation standpoint, but the winning season being the fifth most winning a season since the turn of the century, there were plenty of moments to talk about, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But a lot of that is because of those two guys. Those two guys authored many of those moments, and including for me probably the biggest moment of India getting that rookie of the year, and it's so many different plays that he made to get there. But I'm with you. I, I think that they have the importance of a core. They have guys that they can build around, and I think that that is something that they've got to understand. This is not a team that needs to do a full teardown. This is not a team that needs to do the Orioles or do the Royals or do the Tigers and just get rid of everybody, start over and wait till everybody is old enough to play in the major leagues. I, I think that this is um, uh, probably a little optimistic to some, but I don't think it's that far fetched. It's not. And you know, you, you hit on Joey Votto and not having a core around him and, 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 and looking at this comparison, comparing these two franchises, uh, doing a complete teardown right now, you know, trading away Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley, trading all those guys away, trading away, you know, basically everybody with a high dollar contract and a pulse doesn't get you where you want to go. If you look at what's happening over with the Bengals, uh, a teardown would equate to this. Uh, how much success would Joe Burrow have if Mike Brown traded away all of the wide receivers to save some money and then started you at wide receiver one and me at wide receiver two. I mean, Joe Burrow could be the best quarterback in the world. And you and I both know that neither one of us are getting open. So it's the same with the Reds. You have this, ex this outstanding Forget young getting court. open. I don't think we're getting off the line. I would love <laughs> to see you trying to run a route with your corn dog in one hand and your fretboard <laughs> beer in the other. I would like to see that. I just but, hand the corn dog over. That's what exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you look at it, Jeff. If if they if they just keep this young core in place and surround them with some other talent, there's you know there's still a window. There's so many reasons to be excited about this Reds team. There's there's still an opportunity to go out and win this division. And and I hope more than all hope that during this dumb lockout that they have imposed, the owners have imposed on themselves and imposed on the players, that Castellini has just a second to take a beat and think about how much money will I make if I blow up this roster and only win 50 games versus how much money will I make if this team is competing for the division championship the entire year and there's a full stadium every night. And I hope, I hope beyond hope that somebody played him at least the last one minute of the Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs and the crowd noise and the atmosphere and, uh, and, and just let him let those, that noise translate in the cha-ching of the, the cashless environment that is the concession stands with credit cards tapping against the machines, spending that money. Uh, I think if someone can present it to him like that, you know, we're going to be cooking with gasoline. I'm going to close my eyes and remember many things about that game for years to come. I, st I still do that with uh, Clenchmas from 2010. I can close my eyes and see that moment too. But uh, th this is something too that I think it's not only – an optimistic point of view, but it's also a challenge for this team. We're going to talk about what that challenge is here in just a minute, but you know what's not challenging? Making your snack game awesome. 
and you can do it with Built Bar. Go to Built.com today and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order because, look, we've all got New Year's resolutions going on, right? We, we want to get healthy. I mean, we want to lose weight, maybe, some of us. I don't know. I'm pretty happy. Uh, alleged, allegedly. We allegedly, yeah. You know, I'm going to think about it. I joined a gym. We'll see what happens there. Um, but I'll tell you what's going to help. <laughs> Built Bar. Built Bar is the snack that is going to transform your diet because think about it, Steve, when you're snacking or when you're snacking, when you're dieting, you want to be snacking. And when you're snacking, you're not eating foods that necessarily fit into the diet. Built Bar fits into the diet. We're talking about 180 calories or less. We're talking about up to 18 grams of protein, less than four grams of fat, less than four grams of sugar. This is beautiful stuff, but Hey, it's made with 100% real chocolate, covered in it, in fact. And you've got amazing flavors, too. You can check them out at Built.com today and use that promo code LOCKED15 to get your snack game in order. Get your diet in order and do it with Built Bar. That's Built.com and the promo code LOCKED15. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and you can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker. It's a little bit easier to remember, just his first initial and his last name, and he didn't, like, misspell his first name with too many letters or anything like that, so it makes it a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> Steve, when... When we look at this core, when we look at these two guys in Stevenson and India and, and the promise that is Hunter Green and Nick Ladello, there are guys that the Reds can hang their hat on. And maybe not necessarily this year with Green and Ladello, but maybe next year. I mean, I think this year they come up and they get their feet wet and, neck, wet and next year is when we really have the expectations for the two of those guys. But all in all, this is a huge challenge because they've got to build around them. We talked about it with Joey Votto. They didn't do it. You can look at the Angels and what they've done with Mike Trout. And now they've got Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And how many playoffs game did, playoff games did they win last year? I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, same as the Reds, actually. It was. That. It was. So, you know, not to... Not to put in a dig there at our buddy Steve Granado at Lockdown Angels, but it's the truth. I mean, you've got to build around talented guys. And look at how the Bengals did that. They didn't necessarily go out and get the most expensive dudes, although you can look at their roster and their two highest-paid players were free agent signings that they made. But these aren't even necessarily like $20 million free agents, which in football is few and far between compared to baseball. Usually quarterbacks are the ones that are getting that kind of money. But DJ Reader, Trey Hendricks, and the two most highest paid Bengals, bet you didn't know that I knew that off the top of my head. Uh, but when you look at the Reds, you got Joey Votto, you got Mike Moustakis, which we'll talk about him as we get closer to spring training and things like that. But, you know, let's let's talk about Mike Moustakis for just a second. And, okay. and this I think this is an important thing to note. Uh what the Bengals did a couple years ago uh, mirrored a little bit what Dick Williams did over on the Cincinnati Red side. They went out and they spent some money and they didn't get the best free agents in the world. They didn't get the most high dollar free agents in the world, but they, they spent some money and tried to bring in some guys that should be an upgrade that should help the team be a winner. And one of those guys was Mike Moustakis. Now, you know, in hindsight, we can look back and, oh my God, he's been hurt and he hasn't performed and all of these things. It didn't work out. Uh, they spent the money, they tried, it didn't work out. Uh, and that's the reason they're losing. No, it's not. 
Look at the Bengals. The Bengals did the same thing. They went out and they got some guys that weren't necessarily the most high dollar, but they were definitely upgrades that could help them win. And they spent some money to do it. And the Bengals had some busts in that process. They had some guys that came in and got injured uh, in their secondary, just not pointing in any one person's (laughs) direction or naming any names. But they did have a guy that basically spent the whole first year in town on the injured list. Didn't play at all. So... Let's, I think it rhymes with Smay Fanes. I think it does. Yeah, yeah. But let's look at that. Did that completely derail what they were trying to do? No. They adapted. They adjusted. They had somebody else step up. They had some people in key positions be able to uh, to get some playing time and excel. So, you know, just because one guy didn't work out, that doesn't mean you don't try and you blow the whole thing up. And I think what happened over there with the Bengals is a great example of what happens if you demonstrate just a little bit of of persistence and and perseverance and continue to follow your plan. And as we get into this, how can the the Reds be more like the Bengals uh, in today's professional sport? I think that's the biggest takeaway. The biggest takeaway is to, you know, put some people in charge that, that have a genuine desire to win. Yes. Lay out a course of how you're going to get there, and then you follow it. And yeah, you adjust along the way, but but what the Bengals didn't do was blow up the plan every time a little something went wrong. Every time there was a curveball, pun intended, thrown their way. They didn't start all over. They just adjusted. And that's what's lacking in the Cincinnati Reds front office. Yes. There, there, there's got to be a point where they understand the plan that they had needs to be tweaked, not completely destroyed like you mentioned i i totally agree with you and i think that part of that just means make a trade or two you know and, and not when a guy is at his lowest point of value like we we keep saying boy it'd be nice if they could trade mike Mustakis this offseason it's not going to happen nobody's buying that contract right now and i don't think that uh the reds would really want to do that in the uh, i mean i think they'd want to i don't know i just i i think that they believe when he comes back to the level that they think he can get to, if he's doing that at the DH spot for them, which I believe the Reds are going to have this year, what are we talking about? The fifth hitter, the sixth hitter in this lineup? And that's pretty that's pretty good, considering this lineup itself is already decently strong if you see a couple of guys hitting the way that they should. <clears throat> Eugenio Suarez. <laughs> But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Six, six is not unreasonable. I think you could even go lower. He could hit seven, mm-hmm. if if I mean understanding that our catcher is probably going to hit four. You know, it, yep. it kind of shifts everybody down a little bit. So I mean, there's not going to be a lot of pressure on Moose to to be the to be the hero to be the three four hitter. He just has to go out and be a little bit consistent when he's given an opportunity. And and I don't think that I think he has enough baseball in his tank that he can do that. I think he can go out there and be a seven-hole hitter and give you average defense when he's in, in the field and and not hurt the team. And, you know, if everybody, Eugenio Suarez, picks up their game just a little bit, like you say, uh, the Reds the Reds have an opportunity to win and, and be relevant. I agree. And, and when you think about guys like that who could come back. It just, it infuriates me even just a little bit more to know that there's so many rumors out there and pretty much everybody expects them to go out and trade one of, or two of Jose or, um, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley. How about I say every name on the roster? Um, 
<laughs> yeah, um, but when they when there's rumors of them trading one or two of those three guys, when you get rid of those guys, that's when you get rid of the idea of the Reds contending for anything meaningful this year and maybe the following year. I I, I think I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do out of this lockout because it's got to be with the idea in mind to support Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson and not the idea of, Hey, let's be good in six, seven, eight years. Like that's not a thing that should not be a thing anymore. And, and part of that I think has to do with the culture and the, uh, the environment that major league baseball has created in its sport. But in order to change that, there are some things that have to happen. That is something for another episode though. I tell you what we, uh, coming up, we're going to change up because we've been talking a little bit of seriousness. We've been talking about, you know, comparisons and maybe thinking about the reds is not so good and, and, and make things some down thoughts. Let's think happy thoughts, Steve. We, we got some happy thoughts, some happy memories from this past year that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. And thanks again for everybody that's uh, listening to today's podcast. If you have not already done so, make sure you're following on your favorite podcasting app and make sure you're subscribed right here on YouTube as well. And, and Steve, um, I don't know if you know this or not, we got a telephone number 513-549-0159, the lockdown reds line. They can ask you questions. They can ask me questions. I prefer if they ask both of us questions, but you know, if they want to know um, what poi is, maybe they could talk to you about it. Well, that. I got you on that one. <laughs> so, yeah, what, hit us up, 513-549-0159, or you can hit us up on Twitter at the handles we mentioned earlier, at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at S. Offenbaker. You can hit up the show as well, at Locked On Reds. All right, Steve, uh, this is uh, in no particular order because I think there were a lot of them. And to order them would take more time than we initially gave the prep for this. So I think maybe one day yeah. we'll be able to. <laughs> yeah, when I when I pitched this idea, it it, it let me be clear. This is not a, a top ten list in any particular order. This is going to be you know over the course of the next several episodes, just an opportunity to look back at moments that that grabbed us, look back at moments that you know excited us, that that gave us that positive energy that made us feel good about this team. They're not in any particular order. They're just moments that we loved, yes. and so. To get that conversation started, I you know I wanted to do the first one to just be. Uh, to be the moment for me that set the tone, to be the moment for me that that kind of made it clear that this year might be a little bit different, that there was going to be a different kind of energy with this team, that this team had some swagger. And of course, you don't have to look very much farther than our friend Nicholas Castellanos to find the guy with some swagger. And so that's where we're going to start. That moment for me uh, is the Cincinnati Reds versus the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, that moment for me is Nick Castellanos getting plunked with a baseball, picking it up, showing it to the pitcher, and then coming around and colliding with him at home plate. Uh, we all know what happened after that. Uh, Yadi Nektat grabs Nick Castellanos uh, by the back of the neck. The bench is clear, and somehow— Inexplicably, Nick Cassianos is the only one that gets suspended in that whole mess. <laughs> but let me tell you what it told me. It told me this team was going to have fight. 
It told me that this team was going to have attitude. It told me that this team was not going to accept being disrespected, mistreated, or abused. And it was exciting. We looked at Cassianos. We saw how he reacted. We saw how his teammates rallied around him. And what we saw was a team that was a little bit hungry for success. And I was super excited in that moment. Uh, Obviously, it also showed us that uh, Manfred hates baseball and his collection of cronies in New York do not like the Cincinnati Reds. It's something that has been evident in the way they have handled discipline of this team uh, over the last several years uh, and it told us we were just going to get more of the same but it definitely gave us the right energy heading into the 2021 baseball season well I think too it's it's important to give the team credit for having the right focus on where to put that fight because in years past we saw it with the pirates fight a couple of different pirates fights and that they got into a bunch of fights and a bunch of players get suspended. David Bell gets suspended, things like that. Nick Cassianos was the only guy to get a suspension from that. And he shouldn't have been. I, I, I don't know anybody that disagrees with that point unless they're wearing like a Cardinals hat or something or a Molina Jersey. Uh, but I think that everyone understands because of that, nobody else jumped in. Nobody else took the bait. There were no other dudes running in from the bullpen. You didn't have Yasiel Puig running out of the bench, which don't get me wrong, I love Yasiel Puig, but this team was mature enough to focus that fight. And I thought that oh, was absolutely. important. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look back, uh, Cassianos was actually walking away from Captain Throat Slash when yeah. he grabbed him by the back of the neck. I mean, the energy was not a, I'm going to start a fight. The energy was not... Uh, a, you hurt my feelings and I'm going to retaliate. The energy was, you know, it's, it's a family-friendly podcast, so I can't exactly use the, the exact quote on the energy, but it was, let's freaking go. That yeah. was the energy. That was what was being said with the flex. And well, I remember, it. too, he was, like, standing there. Cassianos mm-hmm. was standing there with his hands behind his back, like, mm, not, not, not getting involved, and then somehow... Still gets suspended. That's that's ridiculous. And and for a second too, let's talk about the fact that the pitcher's name was Woodford. Still haven't had a sip of Woodford Reserve from that. You're so, a liar. You have so had not a from sip Woodford of Reserve. Other bourbons, <laughs> but not that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Jeff. That for me was the tone setter for the 2021 season. And as we go through this series over the next several episodes, there's there's a lot more fun and exciting moments that are you know game pivotal moments. But but for me. You know, to get to all of those moments, the, the tone had to be set and the energy had to be right in that dugout and in that, that locker room in the clubhouse. And I think if we look at the 2021 season, that's where it started. That was the moment we learned this team might be different. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then I think, too, I'll, I'll, bu- I'll buoy, we, buoy you. How about I pick a word I should say and not. Gosh, I've been just <laughs> tripping over everything. Wow. Um, Are you sure you haven't had any Woodford Reserve? <sighs> Maybe I maybe should you need off. maybe you need some Woodford Reserve. I think that's what it is. Um, to to kind of buoy your idea here with this, I've got Booyah! my my first moment that I'll think of when I think back on this season, and mostly it's because I love to think of the emotion of baseball. And of course, one of my favorite quotes ever came from Moneyball, and and Brad Pitt, uh, Billy Bean said, "You know, how can you not be romantic about baseball? How can you not be romantic?" about Joey Votto's streak. Just something about the fact that coming into this year, everybody had said, 
including myself, yeah, sure, whatever. I think he's going to hit like, you know, maybe 15, 20 home runs. Maybe we'll get some power out of that. He's going to be a slap hitter. He's going to be a singles guy. Probably bats about 270, 280. Maybe gets on base about 35, 36% of the time because he's Joey Votto. His baseline for on-base percentage is much higher than everybody else's. But he's just not going to be anywhere near the guy he used to be. Now, don't get me wrong. He's still not Joey Votto of old, but he's this new and improved Joey Votto. He is this... Built bar built Joey Votto. Okay, I don't I don't actually know that he had built bars, but the protein and the power and all that stuff was evident because he was smashing home runs all year long. And had he not missed a month, can you imagine? He might have hit like 40 bombs, 45 bombs. He might dare I say be touching 50? I don't know. He was awesome at the long ball, and that streak was just so magical, if not even for the reason that it ended. I, I still always I will remember what he said after the game in which he didn't continue the streak, and that was that his first home run was this pop fly that had a terrible exit velocity and just basically got blown over the wall, and so it shouldn't have been a home run. And then the game in frickin' New York – and he, City Field should have had a home run, laser shot. It just was just a little bit too short of going over the wall. And as he said, you know, that's baseball. You just you hit the hardest ball you can hit, and it doesn't go over the wall. So I, I love everything about that streak. It was something that I look back on, and I will look back on forever and be like, man, that, that was Joey Votto. It does not matter what you thought of the guy. He's going to surprise you, and he's going to do it in a good way. I got to tell you, Jeff, that that home run streak uh, that Joey Votto went on, I've only felt like that two other times in 44 years of watching baseball. Um, the first time was when a couple of guys named Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were pushing each other through September uh, yes. to see who was going to break the home run record. And every time one of those cats came up to bat, you expected them to hit a home run. You felt like they were just going to do it. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a question. It was just going to happen. Uh, the second time that that happened also involved the home run chase. And that was the season in which Barry Bonds broke Mark McGuire's home run record. Uh, watching the at-bats that year, uh, you fully expected that if there was a pitch anywhere near the plate, Bonds was going to park that sucker in McCovey Cove. It was just mm -hmm. going to happen. And then we get to Joey Votto. During that home run streak, when he came into the box, uh, I think the announcers could feel it. If you go back and listen to the calls, both on the radio and the television side, uh, both of the play-by-play -play guys, you could could sense that energy. You could feel it. They believed Votto was going to homer. They believed that it was just going to happen. Watching it, you know, in the moment, I had no question Joey Votto was going to hit a home run. Boom, he hits a home run. It was like, yeah, I knew he was going to do that. It felt that way right up until that last one. That that the when that last one didn't clear the fence, I was shocked. I mean, I just I simply was just shocked. I had uh, no doubt in my mind it was going. And I think you summed it up best with with Joey's reaction after the game, which is, eh, that's baseball. That's baseball. You know, you're right. That's baseball. And it was it was just so much fun. Uh, from a getting to watch it and enjoy it standpoint, uh, I'm, I'm happy that uh, Joey Votto is, uh, in some small ways, reminding people uh, what a pleasure it has been to be able to watch him his entire career here in Cincinnati. And that home run streak, 
drew enough national attention that it brought the Reds to the country. It brought uh, it brought the Cincinnati Reds uh, into the forefront and made everybody pay attention for a minute, not only to the Cincinnati Reds, but to Joey Votto and uh, what I believe is a, a Hall of Fame player that a lot of people have missed out on because of the market that he plays in. That proves that Joey Votto still does what, Steve? Votto still bangs. Votto still bangs. And that's how we're going to end today's podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened today and everybody who has listened. For the three years that I've hosted this show solo, I'm so happy to have Steve on board as my co-host now. It's going to be the two of us all year long bringing you Reds baseball talk. So make sure that you're following the podcast on your favorite app and on YouTube as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at S Offenbaker and follow the show as well at Locked On Reds. But for Steve and myself, thanks for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen. Now make Locked On Bets your second listen as your boy Q and Lee Sterling help you make a couple of bucks over at betonline.ag. That's Locked On Bets, just like Locked On Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Hey, look, it might be the off season, and we might be locked out, but Steve, what are we? We are Locked On Reds. <laughs>